and welcome back to the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. Today, I'll be sharing the second half of my conversation with Katie Beth's mom and dad, Jason and Amy Carter, authors of the book, Oaks and Ruins, Letting God Redeem Your Loss. We've been going through the book chapter by chapter, so if you missed last week's episode, you'll definitely want to go back and listen to hear our discussion of the first four chapters. Today, we pick up our conversation at chapter five. So the next chapter is titled, Live. Amy, talk about where you found yourself in the early days after Katie Beth's death. Yeah, I think probably like a lot of bereaved parents find themselves is... um, why Why do I need to be here anymore? And then, of course, you get into the people saying, well, you have other children, you know. But in those first few days, weeks, even months, you know, you're so engulfed in that fog and that grief that you're not thinking clearly. You're not. Um, I mean, you're just especially... As you said, in our case, just it was just completely out of the blue, you know, and it just rocked our world. And, um, you know, I remember thinking now I know why they call people survivors in in the obituaries, because there there were days where I thought I just have to survive. I have to try to survive today where you literally feel like you're going to die or you want to die or you just want to be with your child and. And I never had thoughts of like actually hurting myself or anything like that. But I remember many times thinking, maybe I'll just go to sleep and not wake up and I'll be with her. And not that I wanted to leave Jason or the kids, but, you know, I just wanted to see my daughter again. I just wanted to yes. be with her again. Yes. And, um, and so um, I think it's so crucial that People understand that that's that's normal to feel that way, but um, that if you get into a place where you do feel like you might take steps towards that, that you've got to reach out for help, that you've got to, you know, say to your spouse or a friend or um, God, you know, talk to him about it, you know, and ask him to take those feelings away from you. Um, not that you don't want to be with your child or long for that, but you know, that it's in his time and it's, you know, we look forward to a reunion with Katie Beth, but it's, um, you know, just in those first few days, I was like, I just have to keep living. I have to keep living. And that's part of how Live in Love Ministries was born is that we just said, you know, the Lord has called us to live and love well. And that means whatever days we have, Katie Beth did that. She lived her days well. And she loved well. And um, actually, you know, that's kind of how Live and Love Ministries was born is that in the aftermath of her accident, this hashtag kind of started popping up, Live and Love Like KB. We called her KB for Katie Beth. And so as we began praying, we said, you know, that's she that's she did that so well. She lived and loved so well. And that's what we want to inspire other people to do. Whatever days you have here on earth. She had 18 years. And she she lived well and loved well. And um, the scriptures that, you know, we reference for Living Love Ministries is love the Lord your God 
with all your heart and soul and mind. That's what it means to love well. And then to live well is, you know, John 10, 10. He came that we might have life and have life to the fullest. And so we want to just inspire and encourage other people to do that, to even in those hard, difficult, dark days of the aftermath of your loss, whether it's a child or anything else, like making that choice to keep living and loving like God has called us to is what we want to encourage people to do. Absolutely. So Jason, one of the statements that you made in this chapter was trust him with your story because he makes your story matter. Talk about what that means to you. Well, I would say the first statement is um, that comes to mind is like, you have no idea what's at stake. You just don't. Um, I think in the book, I think the story that I referenced, the biblical story was the story of Joseph. Joseph had such a dysfunctional family, a messed up situation. Like he didn't do really anything to deserve like the hardship that he was going through and the accusations of his life. And, but through it all, what we see with Joseph is at least we have no biblical evidence of Joseph ever complaining, of Joseph ever losing or stepping away from his belief and faith that God was good and for him and with him. As a matter of fact, the scripture continually says, and God was with him mm-hmm. through all this stuff. Uh-huh. And Joseph had no idea what was to come. And what was to come was he was going to be put into a position because of his faithfulness, because of the way he treated others, because of the way he navigated his struggle. He was placed in a position that would ultimately lead to him saving his family, which we know was the people of Israel, which at the time was probably under 100 people, the whole family. But within years after that, because he because he was faithful and he had that opportunity, they will turn into a nation of millions. And we know what we get from that, right? We get, the, we get King David and we get eventually the Messiah. and uh, yes. We get all these things. And so to me, this idea of trusting with your story because he makes it matter means that we don't know what he has in store. It's asking the right questions. Like, what are you up to, God? I don't particularly like the fact that for some of us that our story involves this level of pain. Yes. But we have seen in our life, and I know you guys and and others that we have built relationships with who have walked this particular journey, and even other journeys, other losses, other pain, that uh, he does things that like we couldn't write it. Like we, there's no chance we could we could come up with the story that comes from it because mm. the pain is so deep, but we can't possibly see what it, what it is. Right. So um, again, going back to this idea that he's always working, and I, I'm I don't think God causes this all the all our tragedies, you know. Uh, but I, he is sovereign, so you know, he does allow life to work the way it works we live in a broken world but regardless of what that looks like regardless of what what happens to us he can do incredible stuff with it he's that's just what he does that's what he's really good yeah. at and so um so anyway so for me i think that's that's what i meant there and that's the way that i, I view that yeah yeah now you have a very unusual watch right 
Yeah, if you tell want, us about if that. You want to call it that? If, <laughs> if you saw me when I when I'm wearing this, you would think it's a watch until I actually showed it to you. So the right. story goes: I always wore a watch previous to to Katie Betts' accident um, in 2016. I always had a watch on. I'm a teacher, so you know, like I'm always like got to know what time it is. I haven't worn an actual watch since that day, and the way that happened was that we were in our bedroom, and I. My dresser is about eye level with me, the top of my dresser. And I saw my two or three watches that I had. And Jacob, our son, and Amy were standing there. And I just randomly made the statement, I don't think I'm going to wear a watch anymore. And they kind of looked at me funny because it was kind of out of the blue. And they were like, okay, why, why did you say that? And I said, I don't know. It just seems time seems so irrelevant to me at this point. Um, I just... We get so caught up in all that in time that not that it's not important to be on time to things and stuff like that. I just right. think sometimes we get wrapped up in that and we miss what's going on in front of us. And so a couple of weeks later, my son gives me uh, this box. It looked like a tie box. And so I open it up and there's this quote unquote watch in it. And I, and I didn't really look at it. And I looked over Jacob and I said, Jacob, you heard me say that. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I'm not wearing a watch anymore. And he's like, Dad, just be quiet and, and look at it, you know. And so I looked at it, and it has no working parts. This quote-unquote watch has no working parts in it. But on the face, it just has three letters which spell the word now. And on the back, you can open up the back of this watch, and you can write on this these pieces of um, these disc that you can put in the back of what do you want to live in the now for and on mine it says family and so it's just a great reminder because i'm still i still sometimes when i wear it i'm in the habit you know after all those years of looking down because i have a watch on my wrist and it and when i look at it it reminds me to live in the now not to miss what's in front of me right now the people that are in front of me the opportunities that are in front of me um, so, yeah, so it's it's kind of unique and people sometimes, you know, if I, when I wear it, sometimes people will say, hey, what time is it? I'm like, I don't know. I don't have a watch on. And they're like, but you do have a watch <laughs> on. And, and it gives a great opportunity, actually, to, to kind of remind other people and, and tell that story. So Yeah, hmm. I love that. All right. So the next chapter, chapter six, is called Love. How can we best love others who are hurting? I would say first and foremost, don't avoid them. I think people, we've talked about how people just want to help you. But what I also, we've also found, and I know every bereaved parent we've ever talked to said, you know, I just feel like I have this disease. People, people just like, I don't know if they're scared or what, but they just avoid me. They won't talk to me. Or when they see me, they'll just look at me and they won't say anything. And I, and I think first and foremost, the way we love others who are hurting is, is our, is our presence. Again, I go back to what I said earlier and that is they don't always need our words, right. um, but man, they, we need people's presence when we're hurting uh, because we are not meant to live this life alone. God started this whole thing in community, you know, the father, the son, Holy spirit. Um, and he made us to be, he made us in his image, so he made us to live in community with other people. And so first and foremost, we, we need to, to remember people need our presence. 
um, even if it's just sitting with them, um, listening to them. One of the things that, that I like to say is um, even if they're sitting in a big old pile of mess and they're just wallowing in it, sometimes we just need to sit in it with them. Yeah. And we don't like that because it's uncomfortable and we don't know what to say or what to do with it. But some of the, some of the moments Amy and I can look back on and say, those were the most impactful things people did. It wasn't food they brought. It wasn't words they said. It wasn't anything like that. It was just that they chose to fight through the uncomfortable and just be present in our lives. And so I think, for me, that's at the top of the list. Is, you know, I'm, my words aren't going to change your pain, but my mm-hmm. presence is going right. to tell you that you're not alone. Ooh, yeah. My words are not going to change your pain, but my presence is going to tell you that you're not alone. I love that. Yeah, that's very important for us as bereaved parents. Um, another topic that you kind of talk about in this chapter is that topic of fear. And I know that one of the things we as bereaved parents often struggle with is fear. You know, we've seen that the worst can happen. The worst possible thing that we could even imagine has now happened to us. And we know there's no guarantee that it might not happen again. So share with us some of the thoughts that you have about fear. Yeah, that was a big one for us because um, when Katie's accident happened, um, our youngest daughter, Kimmy, was 12 days away from turning 16 and getting her uh, driver's license. So needless to say, that was not at the top of our list 12 days later. But even since then, you know, and, and then Kimmy was great. She was very understanding and patient, and she certainly was not in a hurry to, to get her license um, right away after all that, walking through all that. But once she did get her license and then even like her going off to college, you know, yeah, it's hard not to go there in your mind and, you know, have that fear overcome your heart. And what if we have to walk this road again? And you know, even as we were writing our book, I remember thinking like, okay, I'm saying all these things, <laughs> you know, like, uh, what if, what if we have to walk this road again? Am I going to be able to, you know, say these same things? Because when Katie's accident happened that night, when we got home from the hospital, I looked at Jason and I said, you know, I don't want our pain to be wasted. And of course we know God never wastes pain or hurt. He, um, He uses it if we'll let him. And so the fear of the possibilities, you know, of things happening to our other children or um, even just not necessarily child loss, but just the fear that can kind of um, consume you if you let it. I think, like Jason said, it's about being careful what voices you're listening to and not allowing the enemy to to have a seat at the table, so to speak, and and whisper and feed into those fears um, and just continually go into God, like he said, and saying, Lord, help me, you know, help me not live in fear. Help me to trust you. Help me to whatever may come, because um, none of us are guaranteed anything. You know, we uh, we know that all too well now, but, right. um, but that we can't uh, live in that place of the what ifs. Um, because, um, make you crazy. Yeah, it will, it will, yeah. it will. And then, and then that's not, 
there's just that's just not the way to live in the spirit and we have to really just it's about faith you know yeah. just trusting and i know we've all seen that faith over fear but it's it's a choice of choosing faith over fear and knowing that whatever comes god is with us and we we can make it well, and, I, and i want to say to that because i think i want to tread lightly here but but i think sometimes in the church the big c church as christians we we put some things on certain words or some certain feelings that I'm not sure are always 100% accurate. For example, like we have this overwhelming fear, maybe that, you know, this could happen again. And I think so many times uh, there's this message, whether it's directly or indirectly that stated that, well, if you're feeling those things, then you just need to have more faith. Or if you're feeling mm. those things, you're, you know, that's, that's sinful. And I, I just, I just want to say that, you know, we have our emotions. We are given those for a purpose. Yeah. And they're real. And like Amy said, we can't live there. Right. And I'm all about, I think that's biblical. Like he doesn't want us to live there. And that can lead to sinful behaviors or that can lead to darker places. But, but that the presence of fear in our heart and our lives because we've lost a child and maybe we're fearful that it could happen again when our child gets in a car and drives down the road. Yeah. That's, I just, I just want to speak to that. That is natural and that's okay. Yes. It's less about having it and it's more about what are you, what are you doing with it? Mm. And, um, and there's a thousand things that you could do with it. Right. Um, but you know, taking that to him and saying, man, I'm scared to death. God, like I, 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 yeah. I think if anything, it's there maybe to help remind us that we can't do it by ourselves. That if we're not meant to try to just buck up and figure it out on our own, to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and just deal with it, uh, he it's a reminder that, hey, like if I don't lean on him, if I don't lean on others, I can't make it. And yeah, so um, I just sure. wanted to speak to that because I think sometimes we – we put those things out there and it makes people feel this level of condemnation or this level yeah. of, of guilt. And, and so I don't think we should, I don't think that's a place that we should live either. Mm, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you guys have founded an organization and we've kind of talked around it a little bit called Life and Love Ministries. I would love to hear exactly what your foundation does and, and just tell us a little bit more about that. Yes, yeah, so Amy shared um, just kind of how the name came, you know, came yeah. about Live and Love Ministries. But it's funny, I think the, the longer we've walked the road with Live and Love Ministries, the probably a little more focused that we've gotten, but in the beginning, really sure. we've, we've done a little bit of everything. Um, <laughs> our heart was really just um, to take the pain that we were, we were walking in and looking at the life of Katie and, and doing that, living our lives well, helping others do the same, but also not only us loving other people, but encouraging other people to do that. So, you know, we do that through a lot of ways. You know, some of the things that we do is we, we fund three different scholarships. Actually, one of them is endowed now at Jacksonville mm -hmm. State. So at this point, we're we're no longer having to fund that, and we've had some people come along and uh, partner with us in that and really help us get get to that. 
point, the high school that I teach at, that Katie graduated from, we also do a scholarship for a senior every year. Um, and so we help fund that and, and raise funds through Within Love Ministries. Through that, uh, we've had opportunities to, to speak places, and really our heart there is we can bring hope to people that are hurting, whatever that hurt is, whatever that pain is, that, that we can do that. Uh, we're involved in Nicaragua, which I'm sure we'll yeah. talk about a little bit at the end again as well. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff going on down there. and We, we take at least one trip a year uh, down there to a school that's been built um, in a community that's super impoverished. So we, we put some of our time and our energy and our efforts uh, and resources there. Um, and, uh, and the most recent thing that we've done is we have partnered with you guys and we just fell in love with while we're waiting and, and what y'all do and y'all's vision and mission. It's, it's funny. It's so super simple what you do, but it's just, um, I just, it's hard to really put into words. I think it's something you have to really experience, uh, but it's just so impactful mm -hmm. and it brings so much hope. And so when we went in the fall of last year to, to the retreat, we were like, this is something we, we will probably be a part of until God decides to call us home. And so we, uh, as you mentioned earlier, that's probably the thing that we're pouring ourselves into a lot uh, lately with Live and Love is doing a support group. We're helping uh, with some facilitating of, of certain retreats and wanting to, as we've shared with you guys, wanting to, to bring that here to the Chattanooga, North Georgia area, um, because the closest retreats I think right now are, are several hours away. And so wanting to, to do that kind of thing. So we do a lot of things. We meet some needs in the, the local community here mm -hmm. when we see those pop up. When COVID came around and people were struggling either with food or supplies, um, we just kind of did a, a drive and people donated and we created boxes and bags and and we do a lot of different things. Yeah, we look for just look for ways to um, encourage and inspire people, you yeah. know, to live and love well. And that's basically comes through helping others yep. in our community and globally, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's such a wonderful way to honor Katie's life. Um, and we're going to include a link to your website in our show notes so people can read more about Live and Love Ministries. Right. Thank you. And maybe find out how they can get involved or how they can donate, that kind of thing. So the next chapter is titled Laugh. And that seems like a strange chapter to be in a book about grief. <laughs> but um, so why did you feel like you needed to write about laughter? Hmm. I remember, um, I remember thinking after Katie went to heaven that we might not ever laugh again or that it might not ever be okay to laugh again or struggling with feeling guilty for, um, having laughter in the house. And so we felt like that was something that, that needed to be addressed. Um, because we began to realize as we were walking our journey out that for us in our home, and I already mentioned that Katie had this big boisterous laugh in you know her little petite body but we always had a lot of laughter in our home when our kids were growing up we just had a lot of fun and games and you know just teasing and loving on each other and um, jokes and so we really feel like that's important but 
when you um, are walking through grief, you there are those moments where you think, I might not ever be happy again. How will I get there? And and when I do, is it okay? Because you kind of then feel like, well, am I, am I, I, I'm still supposed to be sad 24 seven. And if somebody sees me laugh, they might think, oh, she's okay now. And, you know, I'm not okay now. Like, uh, so it's, it's just this crazy um, mix of emotions that you feel about. Is it okay for me to laugh or be happy again? And we recognized that as we were walking ours out that um, people needed to hear that that laughter will come back and that it is okay um, to laugh and be happy again. And that joy and sorrow can coexist. And uh, we make reference to that in that chapter. Um, That actually came to me from another bereaved parent that I met on our journey who uh, lost her daughter in an accident. And um, her daughter, Christina, was a UGA student uh, killed in a car accident. And she reached out to me after our loss. And and, um, this always stuck with me, that joy and sorrow are two sides of the same coin and that they can coexist. There's deep sorrow that comes, obviously, on this journey, but that there can also be joy that comes as well. And so I think recognizing that it's okay for both of those to exist together and that one doesn't negate the other is really important as you're walking through your journey and just knowing that it's okay and give yourself time and you will get there. That's such an encouraging word to know that you do get there eventually Mm. and that joy and sorrow can coexist and do coexist. And I love thinking about it as two sides of the same coin, because you can even in one moment, you can have both absolutely at the same time. It's hard to imagine. And especially for those that are early on their journey, I know it's, it's really hard to imagine, but it is true. And uh, to know that that you can get there one day, I hope, is an encouragement uh, to others. Absolutely. So we're finally getting to the end of the book. (laughs) The last chapter is called Legacy. And I would love for you to talk about Katie Beth's legacy. Yeah, so we have kind of mentioned things here and there. Uh, what's, What's really remarkable is it literally started the week that... She had her accident. She went to heaven. Um, so we have a celebration of life. That's on. She had her accident on Monday, and that was on Thursday. And uh, they estimate thirty five hundred people. And they're like, there might have been more because we had to turn people away because we just had room. Uh, that in and of itself was just overwhelming. It just spoke volumes about her life and just uh, who she was and how much people loved her. But that night, of course, we were very adamant that we told her two youth pastors that she spoke that night because she loved them with all her heart. <laughs> we just said, you know, you have free reign. You know, like you just speak what you feel like you need to speak. But we just want to make sure that people hear the gospel. We want to make sure people understand why Katie was who she was. And she was who she was because she loved Jesus. And She was following him. And so that happened. And that night alone, we know of 20, 25 people that gave their life to Christ that night, which, you know, if that's where we ended, 
with that, that would be okay, you know. Um, yes. And and you know we say all the time that all these things that I will mention here um, don't take away our pain and heartache, and I could I'd rather find a different way to do it. Yet on the other hand, exactly. she she her heart would have been like she'd have been mad at me for saying that, you know. So, um, <laughs> but that it started that week, mm-hmm. um, and the stories that you know we could fill up another hour with stories like that marriages that were changed because they watched her life and then they watched our journey. And it's just crazy. It's just life change in and of itself. Letters that we received from people, from kids that said, I sat with her one time and I was struggling in my faith or I was struggling in, in my life with these things. And she just spoke life into me and gave me hope and things that we'd have never known otherwise. And then there are big things, you know, there are things that like, again, we just still to this day blow us away. I mean, I talked about a school in Nicaragua. That school is named after Katie Beth. And uh, there's yeah, a there's a big, long story that goes with that. I don't have time today to talk about but the Katie Beth Carter Memorial Institute. And, and they teach those kids about who she was and what her life was about. And, I mean, we can go down there. And sometimes I, I'm like, I think they know more about my daughter than I know about my daughter. You know, they just, they can tell you the stories and, um, but they're also, I mean, the thing is, that's even, you know, better and sweeter is that that school started with 32 students. And um, now we have 122 students yeah. who and it's a Christian school. So they're getting yeah. um, foundational Christian principles as well as their education. And we're just, you know, um, we've established relationships. We go, you know multiple times a year usually and it's just been remarkable to see that impact that that it's having in that community and and hopefully changing the lives of of these kids as they um, go through the doors of that school and one of the things we talk about all the time is you know her name's on a lot of stuff and, and there have been a lot of really cool things but it's not about Katie Beth. Right. It's not about the Carters. All that's only possible because mm-hmm. of Jesus. And um, yeah. he, God just has, again, as we started talking about in the beginning, God just, uh, he makes our story matter. And he can take the ugly stuff and he can take the hard things and just use them to redeem the lives of other people. And as hard as it is to actually let it come out of my mouth, because it's my daughter, there are a lot of lives that quite possibly wouldn't be different today if Katie was still on this earth. Um, and that hurts me a little bit because like oh, my, my selfishness says I want yeah. my daughter, yet I, I have to recognize that, man, the amount of life change that has happened as a result is pretty remarkable, actually. Yeah, and I just want to speak to that, that, you know, once again, a lot of that has to do with the fact that our community has just um, blessed us by honoring our family and Katie in, in ways that we never dreamt were possible. But um, that we understand, too, that not all bereaved parents will may have that same sort of experience and maybe sitting there listening, thinking, well, what is my child's legacy? Yes. And so I just want to speak into that and say, you know, it may not look like a school in Nicaragua, but just as we've said all along, that if you'll if you'll give 
your loss to the Lord, that he redeems it in ways that you can't even imagine. And that if you keep your eyes and ears open, he'll bring opportunities in ways um, that you can live and love in honor of your child in such a way that that does leave a legacy, whether that's something as simple as just walking through this journey with another bereaved parent or um, sharing your child's story with someone or just living your life in such a way that your child would would be so happy and proud and excited to see that that you're changing the world and that they changed your world and therefore you can impact others. Yeah, I, I would I would say don't quit, keep moving. And I would I will go back to what I said when we talked about making your story matter, and that is like we have zero idea of the impact and and the um, this what the stakes are. We have mm. no idea. And so I'm convinced, like we can talk about stories that we know. I'm convinced there are more stories that we don't know yes. than we actually yes. do, even in our mm-hmm. circumstance and our situation. And so whether you believe it or not, people are, are watching and they're, they're paying attention to how you're navigating the journey. And they want to see, especially if you have faith, we live in a world now, people want to see, do you really believe that? Now, now, how do you feel about this guy of yours? And I would say the legacy that you leave or that your child leaves and that you live out in their name and in their honor sometimes may simply just be that. Amy mentioned it, just how you walk the journey. And that alone, God will use and change people's lives. It may, it may just simply be the people in, inside the four walls of your own house mm-hmm. and yes. um, oh, serving yes. them mm-hmm. and, and impacting them and, and having grace through this process with them. And that alone, you know, could change the world, you know? So yeah. Um, yeah. it can look a, a lot of different ways. It doesn't yes. have to be writing a book or a, a, uh-huh. a school somewhere named after your child. Yeah. So, yeah, we say that at our retreats all the time that, you know, doesn't have to be starting a ministry or having a scholarship fund or starting a school or doing anything like that. Like you said, it could just be the way you walk out the journey. It could be um, you sending a card to someone mm-hmm. or a text to someone to encourage them on their journey. All of those ways, like you said, our our child's legacy is going to look different as different as every individual is. And God will use whatever, whatever little bit of sacrifice we put out there, he's going to multiply it. Yeah. It's just interesting. We've talked about so many times having walked through such a deep loss and having such a, just an excruciating pain um, and hurt, how it's made us much, much more sensitive to how many people are hurting just because like you pick up on things that you maybe wouldn't have otherwise because mm-hmm. of what you've walked through. And and I think that's part, I think to me, that's the primary way that you, you live that out. And that is just being aware that people around you are hurting, giving them grace, giving them a, an encouraging word, whether it be a card, whether it just be, Hey, notice that you're struggling today or, Hey, I don't know yeah. what's going on with you, but know that, you know, I love you and I'm praying for you or whatever, whatever it is. Yes. Um, that's huge. That's huge. Yes. That's being Jesus. Mm-hmm.
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's being Jesus. Exactly. I mentioned at the beginning of our chat that you guys are the facilitators of our Wawa Waiting Support Group there in Chattanooga, and you've talked about it just a little bit. If someone would come to one of your support group meetings, what would they experience there? Yeah, so um, we're super grateful that we have um, some wonderful uh, biblical curriculum to use written by a a good friend of ours. (laughs) (laughs) Who might that be? (laughs) This wonderful lady we know. Uh, No, the wonderful thing we love about uh, while we're waiting, besides the fact that it just impacted us so much when we attended the retreat, was we felt like uh, we noticed pretty quickly there was nothing in our area, the North Georgia or Chattanooga area, in terms of a support group, a while we're waiting support group. And so as soon as we were leaving the retreat that weekend, we're like, we've got to, we've got to do this. And so uh, we went through the process to become uh, facilitators for the support group. And um, you guys just have offered such great support for us as support group leaders in terms of um, giving us um you know, materials to work with and so forth. And so, um, you know, we have our monthly group. It meets the second Monday of every month at Cadence Coffee Company in downtown Chattanooga. And uh, we have a small little group. We come in and we uh, have the first few minutes to just kind of greet each other and and um, talk briefly. And we have some coffee and water and, you know, sometimes little snacks and nibbles and that sort of thing. And then, um, you know, we go into our devotion time and then we have some great discussion. And it's just the the thing we love about it and what we loved about the retreat, too, is it's all just so very organic. Um, and we are always very clear to say, look, we're not experts on this. We're just facilitating this and we're all walking this road together. And what are you struggling with this this month? What can we talk through and and how can we help and encourage one another as we walk this out? And um, so it's just been a real sweet journey. We started that back in January and, you know, have already seen some real, um, you know, fruit from from that as far as just just helping one another along and encouraging one another. So um, we have some regular attenders, but then we have some that kind of pop in and pop out. And, you know, we're looking to just be available to help, you know, other parents who are walking this journey. What I I love is that at the support group and even um, at the retreats is the fact that we all learn from each other mm-hmm. and uh, there, there are none of us that have the answer to all this. Nobody's telling you how to walk this journey. And I think that's what's been so impactful for us. But I think that's why we've seen such a change with, with some of the people that are coming to the support group that we're facilitating is that they come in and it's just literally a chance for us to, to talk about where we are, what's going on, maybe how we've navigated something and, and we're all learning from each other's journey, and um, and and that's cool. It's very very non threatening. It's um, if you want to sit there and keep your mouth shut for <laughs> an hour, hour and a half, you can do that. Um, Absolutely. And just glean from other people, um, but always having the freedom to share where you are, and uh, there's no judgment there. So it's been good for us. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're the facilitators, but it's like we, we leave most weeks and we're like, man, that was so good. That so-and-so said, yeah. I never thought about that. And, right. um, 
so yeah, I, you know, it's been good for us. Yeah. Well, good. And well, I will include in the show notes, your contact information. So if people want to know more about the support group and how to get there and all that kind of thing, they can get in touch with you. And we mentioned also that you guys are, are some of our newest retreat facilitators. And I know you've helped in the, in Tennessee and the kind of the Memphis area, but we need to be talking about getting a venue in your area so we can start offering something there in North Georgia or that, that general region. And uh, so we'll be, we'll be talking about that. Absolutely. Can't wait. Mm -hmm. So I have one more question that I always like to ask kind of at the end of each podcast episode. And I know Amy, you're a music teacher. So this is going to be obviously a question (laughs) that you will relate to. Has music been an important part of your healing? And if so, what's on your playlist? Listen, Jill. (laughs) (laughs) I know I might be giving something away. I hope not. But like when you sent us kind of like, this is kind of where we're going, where we're Uh going. I saw this question and, I was just, I looked at Amy, I'm like, oh, that's the hardest question on the whole sheet, because we love music, you know? <laughs> we so, listen to a lot say, of We could have a whole separate episode just on your music. No I would say there's probably a number of songs that we we go back to or yeah. really made a, an impact for us. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we do listen to a lot of music. Um, obviously, you know, we're, I mean, it's just such a big part of our home, our our children are musicians. Jacob leads worship at, at uh, his church and and Kimmy is uh, pursuing a degree in music. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's huge in our home. But some of the songs we had to we had to kind of narrow it down and make a <laughs> short list because uh, right. we could we could go on and on. But some of the songs that have really spoken to us um, through our journey, first of all, Good, Good Father. And there's a story in our book about the significance of that um, on the day of Katie's accident. But, um, you know, there's also the struggle that came with that of being able to sing those words. You know, he is perfect in all of his ways. And the weeks that followed her accident was a real struggle um, to get to a place where we could sing those words. You know, not because we didn't believe it, but just because, you know, it's it's in those in the aftermath of, of that. Um, it was just hard to be able to verbalize that, but that's been, that's been a big one. And then, um, the, um, Shane and Shane song, though you slay me with the, the John Piper, um, you know, dialogue in the middle of it. I know you probably heard that. Um, we use it at the end of all, uh, most of our retreats oh, that we do here at the Refuge. So That's one good. of our closing so, so songs good. on Sunday morning. Yeah. Now, re- recently, um, if you know who Brandon Lake is, uh, Brandon Lake, um, he sings the song uh, Graves in the Gardens. That's, yes. um, and so mm-hmm. he just came out with a new album uh, in the last year. And there's a song on there that uh, just jumped out at me uh, recently, and it's called Don't You Give Up On Me. It's kind of a song from the father to whoever's listening mm. and just talking like about it. you've gone through darkness, you've gone through hard stuff. Like you're walking, you know, this road, but like, don't give up on me. I still pursue you and I still love you and I have not gone anywhere. And so I would highly, if you haven't heard that one, that's, it's a really, really powerful song. Yeah. And then look that one up. another one of my favorites too, is a Chris McClarney song called beauty for ashes. 
So obviously that kind of coincides really well with, with our story and, um, you know, how God has spoken to us on this journey. But yeah, so those are just a few of our highlights. We I have guess. more listed, but we'll send you those. Yeah. Music, music has been really helpful too for me. And so it's always interesting to me to hear what other people are listening to that I might need to add to my playlist. So thank you for that. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? Um, I just want to say thank you, Jill, for allowing us to share our story, share what God has taught us. We by no means feel like we have a lot of wisdom to give, but we do feel like we have a lot of things that God has taught us along the way. And I think it's imperative that we share that with other people, especially those that are walking this journey, but just are are hurting in general. So to give us the opportunity and trust us to do that is um, is an honor. And so we, we thank you for that. And our prayer and our hope is that, that something if it's just one thing um, that, that we've shared and impact somebody and give them hope, help them take the next step on the journey, that would be worth it all. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you all for your willingness to, to come on and talk with me today, but then also just to serve in so many different areas where you're serving. And even, you know, in your professions, people like you working in public school, settings. What a blessing I know you are to those students, to the other faculty and staff. And I, I, you know, as being married to someone who just retired from 31 years of public school service, I know that, um, you know, it's a sacrifice. You know, nobody goes into teaching for the money. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or because it's an easy job. So, you know, I'm always grateful for people like you who are willing to serve in that way, too, because, boy, that's that's really being the hands and feet of Jesus right right where the rubber meets the road. So thank you for that. Thank you all for coming on today. Thank you for your friendship. And um, I hope to get to talk to you guys again soon. Awesome. Thank you, Jill. Thanks, Jill. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please take just a moment to leave a rating or a review, and please feel free to share it with someone you know who might be helped by it. We're so grateful for all of you who come back and listen every week, and those of you who may be listening for the very first time. I hope God has used it to encourage you today and to help you live well while you're waiting.